From Stockholm Studios in Bushwick, Brooklyn, this is The LPV Show, a weekly discussion from the world of photography and photo books. Here's your host, Brian Formals. What's going on, Tom? Thanks for hosting us again. Yeah, glad to have you guys here. So we have uh, our guest today is actually the second member of her family to be on the show. (laughs) Nepotism. Yes, what's going on? But the problem all the way from Eastern Europe. Yeah, although all the way from <laughs> FedEx uh, yeah. to America. Yes. So Anya, I'm going trying to go with uh, the way you want to pronounce. Uh, Anya, yes. Anya, and I we we spent how like three or four minutes there for me trying to pronounce your last name, and it was a failure. It's okay. Nobody can ever really pronounce it right. No. Yetskevich. There you go. Now we know. Now everyone should know. Now everyone should be able to say Yetskevich with no problems. And your sister, Olya, is uh, here in, in attendance as well. She's, uh, She's floating somewhere in Floating there. somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're glad to have her here too. So we are um, going to talk about something that I think, I hope a lot of people are going to be interested in because it brings together. Jazz and photography always have this weird relationship, I think. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be interested in kind of hearing kind of that nexus. And it's something that I always think about. But we got to back up a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Sure. We got to back up a little bit because, and the reason I bring it up is your handle on Twitter and your blog, your Tumblr blog is Jazz Addict. Yes. So you are a jazz addict. And Instagram as well. And Instagram, yes, Instagram. Just so to you, make things easy. Yeah, yeah. Facebook, that, no Jazz Addict. No, no. But it's it. So you you're pretty pretty blunt in the way you're branding what you're doing. So, but before we get to your jazz photography and and all that, let's step back a little bit because, like we said before, you were born in Eastern Europe. You were born in Russia. Grew up in Belarus. Born in Soviet Union. Soviet Union. A country that doesn't Soviet. exist anymore. <laughs> right, right, right. So you. <coughs> Fortunately or unfortunately, it's a different question. That's a different question. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't go into that. Nah. <laughs> so, sidetrack. Yeah, yeah. We were going to talk about jazz and photography, and we ended up talking about like Eastern European politics. <laughs> I don't even. But there was a big kind of thing going on in Russia right now, though, too, with the assassination. There is always a big thing going on in Russia. Yeah, yeah. But you, but you, but you grew up in Belarus, right? No. No. Well, how do get I get it wrong again? <laughs> um, so, born in Far East Russia. Right across from China. Um, my dad was in the military, so that's where we were for about six years. Then I moved to Egypt, Egypt for a couple of years, Syria, moved back to Russia, moved to Belarus just when Lukashenko came to power. Um, we're not talking politics. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, graduated in Belarus, studied in Belarus for a bit. Um, then I moved to Hungary. And I think Hungary is where I kind of flirted okay. with photography and music and theater and acting and anthropology and a mix of different things. Um, and then uh, here I am in the States. So how did you get to New it's York? It's been 10 years. But how did, what, so what brought you to New York? You came to study, right? Uh, study. New York is a wonderful place. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not? Exactly. That's that's what I that's what we all say, right? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, nobody's from here. 
I don't know. I mean, but everybody's from here. Yeah, but after ten years in New York, aren't you kind of like you still think it's a, like the best place? Awesome. You never. Um, no, I didn't live in New York the whole ten years. I, I was uh, studying at Purchase, so I was in Westchester. Oh, okay. Um, I was in Massachusetts for grad school for a couple of years, and then I came back to New York about two and a half years ago. Okay. So where? So not really in New York for ten years. Yeah, I'm I not mean, sick of it yet. This is like this is really me screwing up people's biography. Is really you know, <laughs> it's one of those things. Uh, we're on the, the, the notes at the end of the season. It's like Brian, do your research, man. <laughs> like you, you suggest where you think they may be from. I know, I know. No, no, it's no. just it's maybe it's yeah. Maybe I'm have early. You just know too many people. All of those things, you know, just yeah. No, it's really it's 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 laziness. Is what it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just like I, I like following the Instagram. You know, I don't always you know. I don't know where they're from. Sometimes you don't even know. You know. Does it matter sometimes? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. I don't necessarily think it does, but you know. Yeah. I never. Feel, I, I always feel like you know, home is where you feel at home. Yeah, definitely. And you that de- you feel at home. I feel in at jazz home. joints. Oh, absolutely. Huh? So when did you? So how do you go? At what point? When did you build up this obsession with jazz? Um, I mean, it had to start with the music. Where came first, the music or the photography? Uh, definitely music came first. I always been, I grew up on punk rock and then I got introduced to Lounge Lizards when I was probably about 15, 16. Uh-huh. And Lounge Lizards and Charles Mingus and Tuanus Monk, so it was kind of a mix of weird avant-garde jazz and uh, the great bebop. And I've been obsessed ever since. And then when I moved to New York, I had a friend who's kept telling me, I gotta take you to this place, uh-huh. you're gonna love it. And we always would talk, yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then it never really happened for a while. And then about four or five years ago, we finally went. And it was one of those things when I was actually, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's the right thing to say. I was supposed to go on a date. Uh-huh. My date canceled on me and I was really upset. And my friend's like, let me pick you up and I'll take you somewhere. And You'll be happy. Nice. And that's what happened. He took me to Smalls. Nice. And I've been a fan of Smalls ever since. So when so you and you shoot regularly, and that's the stuff you post on your Tumblr. You shoot the the shows, and you also do a lot of the um, session stuff too, right? Yes. And you've done. You've actually shot some covers. Uh, Yes. So this year, I guess, uh, has been. uh, pretty productive in terms of uh, working with people on their CDs and uh, shooting recording sessions. I, the first CDs that I worked on was with Emilio Sola. He uh, was gra- nominated for Grammy this year. Oh, wow. Uh, the best Latin jazz album. Um, and we met at a Zinc Bar, another wonderful place in the West Village. It's more kind of has more Latin jazz. Mm-hmm. And he said, you want to work with me on this CD? And I said, why not? <laughs> yeah. And it was, a, it was a really intense process. We did everything in one week. And it was the first time I tried putting together the whole CD cover, doing everything for it. Oh, wow. So was it you sh- there were how many photos were in the... Is the whole like CD? I mean, does people so, buy CDs anymore? Where do you see the photos if you're not buying the CD? Well, apparently people do. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's something to be said about having the actual the physical CD and being able to look at the artwork and have it in your hands as opposed mm-hmm. to just downloading some digital files mm-hmm. and putting them on your iPhone or somewhere right. else. Some people still buy vinyl. 
But does yes. a lot of it on vinyl? Yeah, Tom has a great vinyl collection. But uh, so are these, does it, was that album on vinyl too? No, no. I don't think so. Okay. I think uh, that's probably a pretty expensive <laughs> process. So one day I hope uh, to have uh, some of my stuff on vinyl. Nice, nice. That would be so awesome. how, but how long have you been like a f making photographs? So when did that, um, when did you start? Consistently, I've probably been shooting for two years. And so there are two things. I shoot a lot of jazz because I love jazz mm -hmm. and because of the places that I go to and the people I listen to. And, um, you know, and the same goes as far as recording sessions, but I also write for a music blog. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this started as a kind of convergence of the two obsessions, music, writing, photography. And I really wanted to go to more shows and take more photos. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to go to more places. And I don't just write about jazz, but primarily about jazz. Right. So that's when it was like, okay, you go take photos, but then you also want to say something about the right. show and the story. And I stay away from, you know, trying to label myself as a jazz critic. I think that's totally not the label I would ever uh -huh. want to have applied to myself, but more as, uh, hey, here's this great and band, the check name, it the out. The name of the blog, the music blog is Girl with the... Uh, uh, the name uh, of the blog is Flowers in a Gun. Flowers in a Gun. <laughs> and Flowers in a Gun has everything from punk rock to jazz to indie and all sort of different music all across the spectrum. So you see, you see a lot of music then, huh? A How lot. How many shows do you see a week? I go at least two, three times. For the blog, I usually cover two, three shows a month, depending on the months. Uh -huh. um, definitely lo looking forward to March, because, well, March 8th is International Women's Day. Uh -huh. So I figured that March should all be about female musicians. Cool. So I have a couple of shows lined up. I usually interview musicians. Mm -hmm. I, for me, that's uh, one of the most interesting parts about producing the final piece. I mean, the photos are there, but it's also, it's not just about what I have to say about the particular show. Right. It's more about being able to have a conversation with the musicians yeah. and see what they have to say. We're a big fan of having conversations, aren't we, Tom? Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> have you yeah. ever photographed at Dizzy's at Lincoln Center? Oh, yeah, of course. A lot uh, of Dizzy's. I'm shooting jazz for the first time on Monday night, and that's where I'm going to be. Oh, who are you seeing? It's the George, uh, sorry, Eastman School of Music uh, Jazz Ensemble. They hired me to cool. you know, them there. So. First time. Yeah, is it a good place to shoot? Yes. Uh, well, which room? Because um, they have a couple of rooms, and so some of them are a little more intimate, and others are all kind of... Mm. Bigger space. I think this one's gonna be a bigger space. Okay. Cause yeah, well, Dizzy's well, yeah. Yeah. So I you think can... you're gonna have fun, and it's a beautiful space. But you'll be popping the flash. No, no, you you're cannot. Not no, no, you can't do that. <laughs> maybe I'll well, you know, I, but like, I don't know. In different situations, maybe you can, but not never. No, so you not, never. I know you never do. No, but you're not yeah. allowed. One, you're not oh, allowed. Yeah. Uh, most places, I don't know any place that allows. Flash, even if you're not shooting jazz, even if you're just mm. shooting music in any venue, no flash photography. Yeah, never. And if you bring a flash, somebody's gonna ask you politely to take it <laughs> and put it in your pocket and forget about it, turn right, it off. Right. So when it's very distracting for musicians too and everybody else. 
And if you're shooting just a regular show, uh, bigger venues usually have about 10 to 15 minutes, usually the first three songs, and then everybody's out. Right, right. And then you can shoot from the audience or from somewhere higher up, but right. you know, shooting in front of the stage, you usually get two to three songs. But you at Smalls, you kind of have like... You, you you have like free full access, and I was I went last Saturday actually for the first time. <laughs> I mean, from what I remember, <laughs> I was there. But yeah, it was yeah, it's, it was. Big well, Smalls is a different story. I mean, you yeah. know, it's a very small, very intimate place, and uh, you know, it's not in that you are only allowed to shoot the first song or mm -hmm. two songs. There is no policy. Just don't be intrusive. Don't mm -hmm. be disturb the people. Um, don't use flash. Be polite. See, now it's going to be like, Formal is such an asshole. He thought you could use a flash <laughs> at like live music event. <laughs> this guy actually know anything? Yeah. So for the record, no, I don't. I think you actually yeah. did play your flash at Smalls. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but I, no, I was, but that wasn't shooting the music. Well, but still. Yeah. <laughs> well, they didn't kick me out. Or maybe they did kick me out. That's true. Let's not kidding. <laughs> No, well, anyways, it seems like the kind of place where sometimes you might not forget, you might not remember being there, right? I, don't know. I think the kind of music dictates that environment because it can be distracting. I mean, yeah. But I've taken pictures at like a punk show. Right, uh, right. That's what I'm seeing. Like I've seen some of those stuff, like some other like hip hop shows too. I feel like I see like some people. Jessica Lerman, I don't know. She like I don't know. Yeah. Sort of things, but anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think it all depends on the space, really. Yeah. You know, and if it's like a smaller venue, punk show, mm -hmm. do they really gonna care? No, and like the hardcore shows, like Carl Gunhouse, who was on in the first season, he he shot, he shoots like hardcore shows, and he goes as like small, like, and he I know he's up on the stage shooting, but he's shooting like the audience, I think, for the most part. So that's what I was thinking. Maybe I wasn't that far. Maybe I wasn't that off base after all. But how, so how, when, what point did you go in? So let's say you're at Smalls and you're going and you just, like you walked up and started taking the pictures and nobody cared and then it just kind of went from there. Or how did you, did you talk? Do you know the people that run the show or what? Um, I think going with the first suggestion, it's more kind of going and trying to shoot. And I know the first time I tried shooting at Smalls, I probably deleted every single photo because uh, I was like, this is not going to work. <laughs> and then, you know, it's trying to figure out because, I mean, shooting jazz and music in particular, mm -hmm. um, you know, the lighting conditions, everybody's moving, you know, it's a, it's a challenge. So I was trying to experiment and see what works and um, being consistent. Yeah, I feel like uh, your photos are really sharp, though. I mean, almost everything I see is pretty sh tack sharp, you know. So are you shooting, like, I mean, you must be shooting, like, at 1.15th or 1.30th a second. I mean, it's dark in there. Well, small is actually yeah. not the darkest mm -hmm. place. Uh, try shooting at Zinc Bar. I think that's that's like the place where it is the most challenging yeah. lighting conditions. And the whole place is red and dark, and uh, in comparison, Smalls is very very well lit. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know trying to work the light and see what you can get out of it. Uh -huh. Trying to capture the moment when everybody actually looks like they're uh -huh. frozen in time for a second right. or not. And then, so you do, and then that's the stuff you put up on the, the Jazz Attic Tumblr. Is that yes. So, uh, you know, on my Tumblr, I put, uh, you know, 
not everything mm. I should as far as music, but most of it. And uh, I put stuff that I should for the blog and stuff that I should for myself or for somebody else. Mm. And I like Tumblr. It's a, it's a great way of you know sharing your yeah, yeah. stuff and seeing how people react. And um, it's fun. Yeah. So how did the, the shooting at Smalls, is that what led into doing like the studio stuff, the session stuff? Yes. Is it from that? Like you so, you, I you mean, know, you've met, it's, you've, it's, it's you, hanging out and yeah. it's meeting people, and uh, some people, you know, they like your work, and uh, they then they ask, do you want to come and shoot a recording session? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And uh, actually, the first recording session I shot wasn't uh, trick jazz. It's uh, I, I was shooting a George G swing orchestra, mm -hmm. so um, they play at this place called Swing Forty Six in Midtown. And it's a, it's a really fun band. Uh, there is dancing and uh, music, and they just put out a CD. They had their CD release party at Smalls, <clears throat> actually, about two, three weeks ago. So kind of went from there. Nice. So like this, I w at the beginning, I was trying to make this connection between jazz and photography, and it kind of really <laughs> applies to like the photo book, because it's... Most of the people that are into photo books and photography, this type, are other photographers. It's a small kind of hermetic, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, group. and jazz is that way too. I mean, once at one time, jazz was the most popular music in the United States in the world. But like now, you know, through the years, it's kind of become a real, like, specialty, like music. And like, it's the people that are really into it are the jazz addicts. It's not, you know, it's not popular music anymore. Do you kind of see those similarities? Or is, is, is jazz more is jazz gaining in popularity again, or where is it? I mean, I think jazz is still very popular, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I think uh, people listen to it and go to shows, and, you know, if you go down to West Village on any particular night, you know, a lot of the places are packed to capacity. Mm -hmm. um, smalls, Friday, Saturday, okay, now it's winter, so maybe not right now, but oftentimes you'll have a line, oh, and wow. people are like, well... You're filled to capacity, come back wow. later. Um, the same as lots of other places. And I think uh, it's a very vibrant scene. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are different uh, directions and different places. You know, some places are a little more touristy. Some places cater to different mm -hmm. audiences. I think one thing that makes Smalls very special is it's also kind of a place where musicians go mm -hmm. after they're done playing oh, wherever okay. it is that they're playing. Okay. Smalls is... Open seven days a week, four p.m. to four a.m. Well, that's what you say. I remember you told me is like if you really want to see it, you got to go to the late night jam sessions, right? Like where people just they bring up different people on stage, and it's yeah. I mean, jam session is something you know you have at Smalls every night, and it's it's always uh, it's always different. It's it's never a guarantee that you're gonna walk into a jam session mm -hmm. and it's gonna be you're gonna see like some absolutely amazing out-of-this-world jazz. You know, it all depends on mm -hmm. the night, it all depends on who's there, it all depends on the dynamic and the energy. Mm -hmm. I've seen some really famous people come out and join the jam session. When? So what, wouldn't get, tell us about a me really memorable night, a memorable jam session. Um, memorable jam session. Um, hmm. I saw Robert Glasper, he was probably the last person I saw at Smalls, because, mm -hmm. you know, Big name, I guess, within the jazz community. It's just sitting in and playing piano and being totally cool uh -huh. about it. And uh, um, I saw Roy Hargrove playing there, Don Harrison. 
And a bunch of musicians that play there regularly who are, you know, very established and uh, amazing at what they do. And then sometimes you walk in and it's like nobody you know and the music is absolutely out of this fucking uh -huh. world. So it's all about the, I think it's the energy. Do people nice. click? How they play together? So and, you oh, know, right. I think for a jam session, you know, and maybe that's my perspective and maybe I'm wrong, but... It's also a place where a lot of people can come and um, polish their craft. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, you learn by playing with others and feeding off each other. And that's a great thing to do as a musician and having the opportunity to come in and sit in a jam session. Right. You know, some place like Blue Note, they don't have a jam uh -huh. session. You know, you come in, you pay your $30, $40 cover, you eat your fancy dinner, you drink your expensive <laughs> Corona for $11, and then the show is over, and it's like, yeah. okay, everybody get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and that's it. That's how what you're into. You know, well, I mean, you know, that's a, you know, they have great people play there, but, you know, so as far as the place and the way it's run, it's more mm. people who come and they just want to see the show, and the show, show is over and they're done, and they mm. go. Mm. As opposed to... Stay, hang out, talk to people, drink. Right, right. So you obviously, like you said, you got to meet a lot of the jazz musicians too, and you like get into the session shows and things like that. How was? Um, I'm just like, what are? I don't know. I guess there's like this. Maybe maybe it's from the Ken Burns like jazz document. <laughs> like this perception of jazz musicians is kind of like I don't know, like still on the fringes and kind of like poor. And is that is it a similar? Kind of like vibe, or is it? Mm, I, I mean, stereotypes exist, but whether it's true or not, I I don't think so. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think there is a there's so many different people and personalities that I've met, and uh, um, people who are very successful financially, and mm -hmm. people who are struggling because they prefer. Certain lifestyle and certain things that they mm -hmm. do, and uh, how you balance all of that. Um, you know, it's obviously not necessarily a career where you would expect to, you know, make millions. I right. mean, some people do, but that's <laughs> uh, that's really a minority. Right. Kind of like photography, right? Like pretty much. You know, <laughs> you have to hassle. You know, you go from one gig to another, and you know, yeah. you can go to a gig and get paid fifty bucks, or you can play at some place and you know get paid ten times that. Right. So it depends on who you are and where you play and who's paying the bills. So have you noticed do people like kind of do do the all the, the jazz musicians and the people at Smalls they like follow your blog and they know what you're doing and that sort of stuff? Um I don't think I don't think they really I don't think musicians do follow things on Tumblr or no. at least not in my experience, you know. I think uh, definitely, you know, there are people on Instagram because they post a lot of pictures on Instagram mm -hmm. and Twitter. Um, and I also post photos for small jazz clubs on their Instagram. So f for me, it's always interesting to see how other people capture. So, uh -huh. you know, I guess Instagram is probably more space where I think people see more of my work and where I see other people's. Mm -hmm. The same as Twitter, but not everybody is on Twitter. No, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Instagram is... Yeah, that's that, you know. Before it's just easy. I don't know. It's because it's on your phone. Your phone's always with you, and it's <laughs> yeah. like it has that dual kind of like addictive thing to it, where it's like the stream, and you can just it's terrible. You can become out. totally addicted. 
It's yeah, always I, on your phone. But I have a Tumblr app too, but Tumblr doesn't seem the same way. You know? Yeah, but I, I never, I hardly ever use Tumblr on my phone. Yeah. yeah. You it's because the app's crappy. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, I, just, I don't know. I think it works fine on phone. Yeah. But as far as actually seeing the pictures, I prefer to see them, on, I guess, on a bigger screen. Right, right, right. So I usually, when I'm looking at Tumblr, usually from computer, not the phone. So, so what about the choice of, because you shoot in all black and white, too? Uh, I love black and white. I think a black and white lends itself perfectly to jazz, or jazz lends itself to black and white. Mm -hmm. It just seems like a perfect combination. You want the focus on the feeling, and you don't want, I don't know, I, don't, I find color distractive, mm -hmm. and it's more about abstracting from all of that and just focusing on that moment. And I just love black and white. <laughs> well, that, I mean, a lot of people are like, you, you can't, you, some people get really philosophical about black I mean, and white, but it's the same thing. It's like, I just love, yeah. Well, I mean, same thing. Jazz, it's like, I love, yeah. All the lights are kind of gelled yeah. and they're like, right. it's not going to look the same. And then it's kind of wacky mixing the color. Yeah. Well, color in general, I think is very difficult. I mean, I'm, I have anxiety over color. <laughs> all the time anyway so but I think you know also in, in general most of the photos I take I always want them to be in black and white and sometimes somebody's like well I need this in color and it's like ah okay <laughs> okay I'll give it to you in color yeah. but it's not, I it's really not, like it better yeah. in black and white so do you prefer shooting the live shows or do you, are you like the session stuff because to me per, like I would say when I'm in this situation it's like I would want the session stuff, I would love to, to get in on that and like the behind the scenes, like they're hanging out and stuff like that, like feels would be like, I don't know, we're like really me. I get like the, the energy of the live show, but I kind of would want to just be there, you know, I don't know. Of That's both. me though. I don't no, know. Both. I think, you know, I, there's definitely something magical about shooting recording sessions and kind of being in the moment of creation right. and seeing like it's a different dynamic different interaction and the music you, you know you you think about it and feel it differently and it's and talking about backstage backstage stuff is of course uh -huh. super exciting you know i haven't shot a lot of backstage but again uh, last spring I, I did a show and i had like full access pass to this um, crazy event at Terminal 5, it was mm -hmm. like a battle of the bands, it was like two swing bands. And having full access pass and going anywhere and shooting whatever you want and... Yeah, that'd be awesome. That's, <laughs> that, was, that was an exhilarating experience. You know, I think the show ended by 3.30 in the morning. It was intense. Yeah. That was really cool. Well, sweet. I want to do more backstage for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about a book, but... Awesome. Awesome. Thanks. back and it's photo book time. Photo booking. Photo booking, yeah. So the book, last week we were at the 10 by 10 photo salon, which Oli organizes with Russet, who was a guest a couple episodes ago. And they're putting on these awesome salons. And the guys from Sun 
have been at both of them. And Sun is basically my favorite publisher right now. I love what these guys are doing. And last week I got to meet Aaron McElroy, who I've been following his work long time, at least a few years through the internet, but I've never really seen his books. And he's, you know, really kind of like the, that's that's where you see his photography. Like most people, that's where you see the photography. So, but I bought his latest book that's put out through Sun. It's called The Devil May Care. So Ole actually wrote a great review for Collector Daily, which is a, if you're not following that blog and you're into photography, then you got to get on it and start following it. But I want to read this excerpt that kind of gives you a grounding in, in his work. Okay. Aaron McElroy's The Devil May Care is a parade of photographs of anonymous young women, often naked or half naked, and always caught in scenes of messy domestic banality. His photo book takes us on an intimate voyeuristic ride, capturing the female body from angles atypical for a male gaze, obscuring identities by cropping out faces and concentrating on awkward and often far from flattering body positions. Yet nothing is too openly on display in McElroy's pictures, and his sensitivity brings a poetic and mysterious mood to the visual flow. He observes and captures, keeps things from being seen, and allows us to glance over his shoulder. His work is particularly compelling in book form, as the paging from image to image conveys a fleeting sensibility that cannot otherwise be articulated by a single photograph. She's a good writer, man. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, she's really killing it with these reviews. Runs in the family. Runs in the valley, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, who got so? Who got the better end of the writing? You, you or her? Oh, I don't believe in who is better questions. Uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm probably more used to academic writing, uh, okay. although that's been changing lately. No, she's, yeah, reviews are awesome. I love this one in particular. But that's, I like his work. His work, I don't know. It's, oh, no, I remember when she sent me the first uh -huh. picture from this book. Uh, I'll show you the one. Because uh, we were talking about the book and the mm -hmm. review, and she sent me one to kind of get a sense of the book before I saw the actual book. And this is a picture I get on <laughs> yeah. my phone. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> yeah. So she's and, contorted and she's holding her foot and we get like the crotch shot. Yeah, and, but you also get get the, the smile. Like, <laughs> okay, why are you smiling? <laughs> okay. It's a good way to get it going. Yeah. But he's like I like and the, the aesthetic is kind of this washed out aesthetic too. So it does and they the way they described it too is it's like this they said they want this diaristic kind of like vibe, but it's it's like a fiction, you know, but he wants to portray it as like a, a diary. So and that's what I I always saw like this is just his life. But when they started saying that, I was like, maybe not. Is this all? And I guess that's part of the mystery of it. It's, it's really, you know, is he creating that kind of like sense that it's this is like this this dude's life or is it, you know, which really doesn't matter. Because yeah, I was going to say it doesn't matter. And because in the book, that's the whole point of it is that Whether it feels like a diary. Whether or not it's real, you're creating the illusion that it is real. Right. But he is, I mean, that's the thing is like there's so much bad kind of like what they call a guy with camera taking like pictures of naked women and it's just like the same boring crap. But like he does it in a way where it's, it's insightful, you know, it feels like he's looking for like the, the photograph and it's not, it's not just about like the nudity, you know, it's, it's about. No, if anything, I mean, there is nudity, but it's, it. It's not just that. That's just kind of a part of it. Mm -hmm. And I, I love actually the way he portrays women. Yeah, I mean. And some of it is pretty graphic, you know, like. But this, this. is this is what I'm saying. What is okay? She'll see shaving her pubes. But like, what is graphic these days? Like, you can't on the internet. You can get the most disgusting graphic stuff. The, 
12-year-old boys can go and grab that stuff. There's nothing that's... So I think that's why, you know, being more, you know, like subtle with it, more natural with it is why it's like much more interesting because you don't need anything gratuitous, you know. And I, th- I, like, I like the domestic angle too. It's just like he's living with, you know, it's like a guy living with his lover or whatever, you know. Feels very real. Yeah, definitely. And there's some bondage involved. <laughs> some very creative bondage. Yeah, yeah. That's a nice tie. I don't know. I like that picture a lot. But I mean, he's referencing like probably Iraqi, you know, like Japanese photographer. I would think, you know, who's all, all about that. But yeah, his, you know, this is, it's a tough sell, this kind of stuff, because like I said, there's a lot of dudes out there doing that, you know, and I don't know. I feel like he's at the top, like in terms of kind of like this vibe. I think he's about as good as they come, you know. And he produces book. Like, he's mad. Like, he's, he, he's I don't no, even know how many books. Book. This is a good, but he's done, this, he's done, like, four or five of them already, right? Like, so he's, like, very productive and cranks them out, you know. Um, and we got to meet him. Like, hopefully he'll come on the show one of these days. But we have the Sun guys, Charles and Corey, coming on in a few weeks. So um, we'll probably talk about it a little bit more as well. But, yeah. I look forward, and I just got this book too, so I look forward to like having it in the Finally collection. Finally, have it back. Yeah, right, right, yeah. I had it was it was held hostage for a while, but yeah. Now return to the righteous owner. Now return to the righteous owner. So, what do you think? Have you thought about working in in a book book form? Um, I, I haven't before, but I think. Uh, if you asked me two years ago, I'd probably be like, why? And because my sister and a lot of the f- people I know are so much involved with photo books, not just photo book as like, oh, let's go order a book online mm-hmm. and boom, boom, here are the pictures, but more like photo book as a art object in and of itself. Right. That also has, you know, amazing photos, but... One day, I would love to make. Yeah, because a, I know, see like I would I think, love to make a book about smalls. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, again, that's you know would be more of a long-term project that would be. But you know, I think like going from scratch and not kind of reusing the stuff that I already right. done, but more being consistent about it and uh, thinking about mm-hmm. it in a different uh, way and approaching it slightly differently. But it's also about finding a really a place to where you can. Oh, you put should hundred percent do a thing on small. Like you have to, you have to. And I mean, I think you're right. You would have to kind of. You'd have to get more. You'd have to like. You. I think you'd have to do stuff with the people that are there. You'd have to kind of get into the staff, and it'd be like more turn into more social documentary than just exactly. music. But you have you have because, that because you know one of the things we were, you were saying last yeah. week when we were small. You're like I didn't. It's different than what I thought it was from looking from the pictures because my photos, you know, usually it's just he's all yeah, you yeah. see as musicians. It's not necessarily, you know, shooting the people that are there or, you know, kind of trying to convey the whole atmosphere. You know, right. it's more about the players, the people that play musicians, yeah. as opposed to the whole space as kind of this totally different and organic venue. Yeah, that's, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Smalls but you could even like get in. You could even. I'm thinking like if they gave you access to go in there and do like a very beautiful kind of like large format like of it empty of just like the stage, you know, stuff like that, where you could kind of mix in different like photographic ideas, you know, give a whole thing. I think it would be. 
brilliant, you know. Well, I think you know that, that, that's, uh, <laughs> that's one of the goals for, yeah. you know, for the future. And, you know, Smalls has a, now a little brother or sister, whichever gender you want to apply. Mesro mm -hmm. is like uh, right across the street and it's more kind of a piano lounge that's, right. you know, slightly different audience and different vibe, but it's, you know, the two are interconnected. But access is, and this kind of goes back to Aaron's book too, is like this, the access, you know, to that kind of intimacy is what makes a book. And it's the same thing with Smalls or whatever you do. You get the access to the place and that experience, that reality, and then that's really the key. And I mean, that's the trick of so much photography is like, you know, finding your place and then getting access. So once you get that access, man, like <laughs> you have to do it, like you have to. Well, and the people, you know, one of the yeah. things is, you know, you want to know the people you're photographing and you want them to feel comfortable and not yeah. be like, oh, you're trying to take a picture yeah. of me again. You know, so that's uh, the two things come together, you know, having access to the place, but also having people who trust you, yeah. who trust you, who ask you to take photos, who want you to take photos, who feel comfortable with you being around mm -hmm. and who know that, you know, I'm not going to put just a photo of you just to put it up because right, you know, right. I want a picture to be there because it's good, because it yeah. says something about you as a musician, as a person, as a as someone that's there. But also, yeah, like that moment in history too. You know, I, oh, I, I, I love that. I mean, I, that's one of the reasons I'm attracted to like a certain type of social documentary photography. It's like you are responsible for recording the history. There is, sure, you can do it a video, but photography and photos and by re, like serious dedicated photographers is the history that is how you will see it. I mean, it's not, people talk about all of like the Instagram stuff and like, I think that's important that everyone's taking photos, but the stuff that's gonna be the most memorable, I think is always gonna come from photographers, <laughs> right? Yeah. Tom, I don't know, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who do you think, who else could do, there's nobody else that could do smalls. You're the only person. I mean, you know, oh, there, no, there are, of course, there are other people that shoot as smalls yeah. and, uh, you know, and I think there are uh, people who are doing uh, really excellent yeah. work. Do you get competitive uh, you know, with other photographers? Um, I don't know about more? competitive. I, I like seeing other people's work and, uh, you know, everybody has a different style and different approach and uh, it's not necessarily a place where, you know, you come in and then you have like 10, 15 photographers and everybody's sitting taking photos, which sometimes happens at other mm -hmm. shows, you know, you go in and the first row is like, everybody's snapping pictures <laughs> right. and then you feel like, okay, <laughs> yeah. but um, regardless, you know, if the way I see it is the way I see it. Mm -hmm. And if I'm doing it, it's gonna be from my perspective and my f understanding of what it is in the space. Right, so I also brought, I don't mean to just jump away, we'll, we'll kind of, but I brought, so Troy Holden, who I featured in the magazine in issue seven, the last issue, he's a street photographer in San Francisco, shoots in black and white. And he sent me, he, he did like a yearly diary that's kind of a handmade, hand-stitched book um, edition of 25 and... Oh, that's it? 25? Yeah, 25. Yeah. So, like, he gave it, you know, he gave me one. I was lucky enough to get one and... It was really neat. It is really... So... I mean, just the way it's made... Isn't it? It's just, like, four by six prints glued to a... Exactly. A page? Thank print? you, Tom. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes. But, no, it's... Yeah, no. It's, no this, it's stitched together really well. It's bound together. Like, well I love crafted. the photos, too. Well crafted. Yeah. And so... And, yeah. It's basically like his best pictures from the year. And he's got, you know, black and white, this kind of black and white traditional street photography. People, I mean, that's a lot of people doing it, but he does it. I mean, I think he does it 
about as well as you can do it, you know. It's I'm not always a huge fan of that aesthetic, but like I like his stuff a lot. He just I don't know, he's got that thing, you know, and and doing something like this, sending like this little edition to Handmade Twenty Five, like it works so well with that work, you know. So I was like, I, would, I like that you guys were into it. I wasn't sure, you know. Have you been to San Francisco? No, but it's uh, that and New Orleans are the two places that I really want to go. Yeah, I mean, come on. New, New Orleans, Orleans probably first because it's a little closer. San yeah. Francisco next. You haven't been to New Orleans. No. So I've I've been there for four days. And I was in the French Quarter, and but I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I saw any jazz, honestly. Well, that's <laughs> Which one is pretty of, stupid. Huh? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much into jazz well, are you? Or blues. Well, I was down there for Photo Nola, so it was kind of we were in and out and stuff, and then I didn't, you know, they couldn't, really, they didn't have a lot of time Scandalous. to explore. You were in New Orleans, and you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know exactly. How dare you? I know. Get this man a po' boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did have a po' boy. Okay, I mean, so I did. I had a Mufalada sandwich too. Like I sought out the food. I'm a big fan of that. But you get into New Orleans. Like, people in New Orleans are so nice. That was yeah. the first thing that I noticed. Maybe it's because it's not New York, it's not necessarily New Orleans. It feels like oh, going maybe. to a different <laughs> no, I think, country. Yeah, I think every pe- everyone I've talked to is like the people are insanely friendly. Yeah. But it's a dirty, dirty city. You know, it's like a rough city. But yeah, you should. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no. I think you would like fly down, like take a bus down there for like a weekend or something. You should check it out. That's a plan for spring. Really? Mm-hmm. You have it set up. Um, working on finalizing dates. Nice. Are you gonna are you gonna shoot for? I'm definitely gonna shoot. Well, I know, but are you like do you have like any assignments or something lined up, or are you just gonna do it all for? Yourself? No, right now it's more like uh, going with uh, friends and just having a good time nice. and probably shooting some video. Okay. But do you you know jazz musicians down there, right? Like I know call? some. Yeah. Uh, actually, one of my uh, f- favorite trumpet players lives there, Christian Scott. Uh-huh. Uh, he's an amazing musician. I love, love, love his music. Uh, he's a guy that uh, gets his uh, custom-made trumpets and so to change the sound. Yeah. And an amazing person. I did an interview with him probably about a year ago and he was like one of the most exciting people to interview. And his music is out of this world. Well, link to it. You'll have to link to it. Yes. So what's something cool, too, what you did for us is you're making jazz playlists. I mean, we haven't had that before. Yeah. We get the, sp- the Spotify playlist that you're going to make for us. To, to, to educate To educate all of our ignorant listeners about jazz. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait. My friend Wayne Bremser, okay, so, like, Wayne is big into jazz, too. So I think he'll, like, this episode, too. And he listens to a lot of contemporary jazz and knows a lot about it. You should meet him. At some point, but I don't know. He lives in San Francisco. So, he'll so when I go to San Francisco, then yeah. I'll have a Well, he'll show you, yeah, place. wherever he goes. Yeah, Wayne's into it. But, like, yeah. I'm, I'm stoked. Like, we were listening to it a little bit before, and it's good. Yeah. I just feel like on music, the thing with music is I feel so intimidated all the time because what? to me, music, I don't know, music's like, I mean, I love photography and I love visual art, but to me, music is kind of the ultimate art form. I mean, mm. it's so universal for everyone loves music, you mm. know, and like, it's just that's, you know, if you, d- I think any artist is like, God, it would be awesome just to be like a musician. It's just like the purest form of, I don't know. I Maybe I'm music. being biased. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I, for me, I, I always listen to music. I can I can go somewhere with no phone, but if I go somewhere and there is no music, I'm like, something is missing. Get anxiety. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah, critical like for a road trip. I'll, absolutely, but anywhere. Yeah. I, but w- I always what, listen to music. But this is why I'm really into like the people like Stephen McLaren. 
who I wrote, did the co-authored the photography sketchbook with, he has a Spotify like list of songs and like he finally sent that to me. He's like, this is awesome, man. Like he just, the whole thing is good and it goes, it's a lot of like, I don't know, electronic and like, but he mixes it with like 70s kind of funk and like it's this kind of eclectic like mix of stuff. And I was like, this is great. I just want other people to make the list for me and then <laughs> dive into that. Now you have to subscribe to all my playlists. Uh, but yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I think it could be because we talk a lot about, I mean, I'm kind of like a photo DJ on like Tumblr. Mm. That's the same thing. So like I appreciate that like mixing and matching and being able to put it together. But like I, like my, my, my music playlists are just shameful. So <laughs> like I can't put them out, you know. Like I don't. I get now really nervous. Now we have to listen to it. No, like, I get super nervous. I don't care. Like, his own critic. Yeah, I was. I don't care. I'll put on and say like I love this photo, and people are like you're an idiot. But like music, I get super self conscious. I can't. Like oh man, I, you listen to that? What I thought they. So what are you listening to? That, that people would be like, you listen to that? I mean, I don't really. No, I don't. No, I don't know. I don't think there's any like I, like panda bear. Like sometimes like animal collective stuff. I don't know where that fits into. What's wrong with that? I don't really. I, I listen to that, but I feel like oh, it's too kind of like. Maybe I'm just. I don't sell, listen to it sell, every I'm, day. I'm, I'm selling myself short. <laughs> we all have guilty pleasures. But I don't think it should. That's the thing. Is it really shouldn't <laughs> be guilty, right? Like I don't feel any of my photo. What I like photography. Like I don't, I'm not ashamed of any of that stuff. It's like oh, I like this stuff sometimes, you know, but like music. You're listening to that shitty 80s, yeah, I don't know. But, oh, like grunge, so like 90s grunge I have a weakness for because I grew up with that, right? Yeah, you know? I love that shit. Like Pearl Jam, but like I could listen to like the Pearl Jam CDs all in a row and like that's kind of not, you know? I can listen you know. to Nirvana for hours and Sex Pistols and... Uh, yeah, I'm still discovering Sonic Youth. See, I hate them, I hate <laughs> Sonic Never Youth. listen to them. Ugh. But Nirvana, yeah. So Nirv yeah, Nirvana. What was great about because I was in like junior in high school when like he killed himself. So Nirvana, we were like that blew our brains because before the, before Nirvana, we listened to White Snake, Def Leppard, and like all the '80s hair bands. Like that was our lives. And so like Nirvana taught us music. We're like, holy crap! Like it can be something else. I, people do underestimate like how revolutionary it was for people that were in high school at that time. Because I was, and it was like, it, you realize music could be something else. Oh, of course. But I mean, of course, we were listening to like Led Zeppelin and like classic rock and that sort of stuff. I think like classic rock is where I get, because these days it's called dad rock, you know? Dad <laughs> rock. <laughs> yeah. Like the old, you know, Bob It's going to come back to life from the dead. I don't know. But like, so that's, that's, yeah. That's my riff on having, being, feeling uh, guilty about music. <laughs> confident about it. That's why when you come and make a cool list of jazz, not gonna be like, yeah, this is avant-garde jazz. <laughs> we got both. We got some uh, regular good old bebop and uh, some of my uh, new obsessions. Yeah, but you. So do you feel like you have a full kind of like understanding of the history of jazz? Pretty solid, but there yeah. is always more to learn. It's such a rich history. Yeah. You can spend your whole life just studying history of jazz and not doing anything else. Yeah, yeah. what era? Yeah, right? <laughs> so, like, what era is your favorite? Bebop. Bebop? Okay. I mean, for me, Charles, uh, John Coltrane, Sonny Rollins are the two right. big ones. Uh-huh. I have a Sonny Rollins, you don't know what love is, version on my phone as a ringtone for the past <laughs> four or five years. Yeah. <laughs> so... 
See, yeah. like I got when I really kind of like Miles Davis, like Bitches Brew. Like when I mm-hmm. got Bitches Brew, like that was the one, like that, that messed with my head as an artist. It was just like, this is, I can put this on and like, th- I was trying to do like painting and stuff and you put it on like <laughs> Miles Davis and you just start splattering paint all over the place and you just feel like, holy crap, like the whole world's like opening up to you, you know? <laughs> so like that always, when I had somebody like recommended to me, he's like, go buy Bitches Brew. And like I went to the CD shop in Minneapolis and I pulled it off and like the young guy. Which one? I can't remember the music store. It was somewhere in uptown Minneapolis. But like I pulled it and like the guy looked at me and he's like, that's a classic man. You know? <laughs> like, it's a great one. I was like, yeah. So like I still, but now I try to get into like his other ones around Bitches Brew too and some of them are pretty good. But Yeah, I, I mean, he's done so much and he's changed his music over the years. Right. Multiple times, he's always reinventing himself. But, but I'm really yeah. so. But I think what that opens up is like I'm maybe interested in that like late '60s, '70s, whatever was happening in jazz in that period. It seems to be like it might be like worth. I'll show something on the playlist, especially for yeah, you. Yeah, if you can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You should. You should do something just on that era for us. You know me. I, I just have a weakness for saxophone, um. tenor saxophone. So all probably most of my favorite players are all sex guys. Nice, nice. All right, so I mean, we look forward to the Smalls book. I mean, it's on, it's on, yes. it's on the record now. Put me on the email list. Put me on the email list. Yes. I'll keep you updated. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks again for joining us. You can go behind the scenes of this episode, see the work of our guests and the photos we discussed by visiting our Tumblr and LPVshow.com. The LPV Show is executive produced by Brian Formals and co-produced by Tom Starkweather and Eddie Volante. Our score is by Tom Starkweather, who also mixes the show. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>